Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lifting the Fog, a podcast that hopes to become a collection of conversations offering support and connecting individuals affected by childhood cancer. This week's episode is one that I've been really pumped about. So um, in this week, we sit down with Danny Halsley. So Danny um, has her master's in exercise physiology. She's a certified exercise physiologist, um, but Danny is a clinical research specialist in a Children's Hospital Hematology Oncology Clinic. Um, in, in this episode, we just wanted to talk about um, kind of a better understanding of the impact of exercise during and after treatment, um, benefits of exercise as a whole, and we talked a little bit about nutrition, which she prefaces quite a bit in this episode that she is not a dietitian or a nutritionist, but of course, with her background and understanding of exercise um, and just that exercise and nutrition do go hand in hand, she does have a little bit of knowledge on it. Um, and then I'm just super fascinated by the nutrition aspect, so she um, entertained some of my questions that I had. But in this week's episode, we talked about the Colorado mountains, my obsession with broccoli sprouts and sulfur pain, <laughs> um, and about sifting through all of the information that is out there about nutrition and finding what is right for you. So um, we do get a little off topic and parts of the the pod, but hang in there with us um, because we circle back to, to talking about exercise and how it's important. Um, and, and is it reasonable or practical for cancer patients, um, on and off treatment to, to exercise? So, um, you can follow Danny on Instagram. Her handle is at happy, healthy Halsley. So Halsley spelled H A L. Let me try that again. <laughs> I'm just hanging with Beth today too. Hi Beth. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, okay, so let's try that again. Danny's Instagram handle is at Happy Healthy Halsey, H A L S E Y underscore. Whew. That took a lot of brain power. Good work. Good work. Yes. So this is a good one, Beth. You'll have to listen. Don't wait. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm excited for this conversation. So, oh okay, we're recording. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm really excited for this week's pod and conversation because this is a topic I'm super interested in. So I don't know if you can just start us off by introducing yourself and your background and how you kind of fell into your profession. Sure. Um, so I'm Danielle Halsey or Danny. Um, I work in the clinical research office for the Department of Pediatric Hematology and Oncology at Riley. Um, I've actually only been in this position for about six months. So I started in April, so I don't want, want to do math right now, but it's yes. about six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I do specifically is I'm a clinical research specialist. So I help with clinical trials that we have going on at uh, Riley, which is really cool because almost all of our kiddos in our department are put on a study um, if they choose to be put on a study. So like, I know you work with a lot of, or you talked to Dr. Coven about Head Start. So Head Start is one of the studies that I help work with along with Kevin Bell, who is another one of our like, and if, CROs. And if uh, listeners didn't listen to that episode, can you, what is Head Start? Just so, briefly. Yeah. Head Start is a protocol that is for high-risk medulloblastomas. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just looking at different treatment plans. And the portion that I do specifically is looking at their stem cell transplant. So 
I have a very interesting position of being split between two roles or two studies that are very different. Yeah. So I work on autologous stem cell transplants. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I really do for that is I manage the data that gets put into during uh, their stem cell portion of their study and then making sure that the clinical research coordinators, nurse coordinators have all of the information they need for the protocol. So like if a certain study requires a blood draw on XYZ date, I just make sure like, Hey, did you get that done? Things like that. I always like jokingly, or I haven't, I shouldn't say always. I've recently started to call myself the protocol police (laughs) because I've had to like, email doctors or nurses and be like, hey, just so you know, don't forget to do that. And I'm always like, I don't mean to be a jerk, but just remember reminder that this kid's on study. So we have like these specific things we have to hit. So that's one part of my job. And then the other big part of my job is I work with Dr. Renbarger on um, her big study, which is the it's one-on-one exercise intervention in adolescent, young adult population, mm-hmm. um, cancer survivor population. So, which uh, is so fascinating to me. Very cool. So, yeah. exercise oncology has been around for a while, um, and a lot of the research has been done in adult populations. So, there's not a vast amount of research in pediatric oncology mm-hmm. or exercise oncology. There's some, um, but not an extensive amount, at least to my knowledge and the more I've been digging into it. Cause I have only worked in oncology, like exercise oncology in my undergrad. And yeah. then I've just now stepped back into it. So to give you more background. So when I have my master's and my bachelor's in exercise science and exercise physiology. So I got my bachelor's in exercise science and sports science in 2000. 14 I graduated Mm -hmm. with that and then in 2017 I graduated with my master's in exercise physiology Um, but during my bachelor's and master's I both were I worked in a it's called University of Northern Colorado Cancer Rehabilitation Institute Mm -hmm. so to give you background on that it is a research institute that is housed on University of Northern Colorado's campus Um, And it is started from one of their professors who was diagnosed with cancer. And she's like a firecracker of a human, or she was a firecracker of a human. And she went to her oncologist and was like, okay, like, now what? Like, what do I do? Like, what do you you want me to do during treatment? What do you want me to do after treatment? Like, what do I do? And the thought process has previously been like, don't do anything. Like, rest, take care of yourself. Like, you don't want to put yourself through strenuous exercise and things like that because it might exasperate like all of your side effects and the chemo and all that kind of stuff. And so she was like, yeah, no, like I'm not going to do that. She didn't, she just like, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah. So she started exercising herself and to make a long story short, built up this whole program, which is now its own standing facility on campus that sees I would have to guess because I'm not there anymore, anywhere from like 30 to 70 patients a semester. And so what they do there is one-on-one exercise intervention and just looking at exercise intervention in the cancer population. So I worked there for a year and a half during my bachelor's and my master's. And so kind of made me 
very interested in the field, yeah. super passionate about it. Um, yeah. And then to also fast forward, when I came to university uh, or Indiana University, um, I'm not from here, so I'm getting Where used to all the acronyms. I'm from Colorado originally, oh, so fun. I've been here a year and a half. Hence your cute mountain. Oh house. yes, yeah. I always have that on now. I've had when I first moved here, I always like told all my friends, I'm like, oh, I miss the mountains. And so then the first time I went home after moving yeah. out to Indiana, yeah. I received like a bracelet with mountains on it, two different necklaces with mountains on it, like stickers with all these uh, mountains on so it. It's so beautiful there. It's gorgeous. That's like one of my most, we're off topic now, but yeah. favorite adventures. My husband and I did like six, um, Six nights or seven nights, I don't know, on the Colorado Trail. Oh, that's Like backpacking. Awesome. That's super, It was super awesome. so awesome. It, I've, like, getting to the peak and then even just, like, completing it. Yeah. I was like, I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> but they're just so, like, grandiose and beautiful and mind, like, it just yeah. it's hurts so, my brain to yeah. think about. It's so, the like, the, the next time you go out, you yes. have to go do, like, a 14 or, like, Lit like live it up at altitude for like a day or two, and then do a fourteen or so you don't get altitude sickness. Yeah, but like standing on top of a mountain. Yes, and like seeing everything. We were at, at the peak uh, of a fourteen or I, yeah. I think we did the first six sections of the yes. trail, which people were like, "You're crazy!" Like some of those are kind of intense. Yeah. So some days we do like ten, like ten to probably twelve miles a day. We no, would try to that's do. That's so awesome. Yeah. I don't have to and we were like, we're gonna do the whole trail and two kids later. <laughs> haven't been back anyway. <laughs> but you should I'll have to talk about how you train for that because that's what Absolutely. I'm interested in. Yeah. Is like I mean granted, so I'm an exercise physiologist. Yeah. I write programs, I do yeah. training. Yeah. I train myself. I've done a try like I'm a weird hodgepodge of a human. Yeah. Anything that I love it. Those are the best humans. (laughs) If anybody wants to learn anything about me in this podcast, is the fact that I'm a weird hodgepodge of a human. I love it. I did a powerlifting meet, and then like six weeks, not six weeks, like six months later, I did a triathlon. Like completely two different spectrums of a human being. I work in stem cell transplant, and I work in exercise. Like the overlap, except there are a few studies about GBHD, so graft versus host disease. And exercise before and after. I haven't read a lot of them, so don't ask me any questions yeah. about them yet. Yeah. But there has been some overlap, so maybe that'll be my next, like, well, try I, and convince. And why I was so – so you had reached out to me, and I can't remember how you – maybe through Donna. You it heard about Donna, the yeah. yeah. Of course. She's just great <laughs> and such a supporter. But um, I was so excited when I saw your – like, the your, your uh, title on yeah. your email because I am just – I try to live a healthy lifestyle yeah. and eat healthy and think it's really important for my growing, young, developing it children. Really is. Yeah. Um, and try to work out at least, you know, four to six times a week yeah. and fit it in into a busy lifestyle because I just feel like it's super important. I think how can what you, you put in your body um, and do to your body not be directly correlated with at a really high importance to your overall health. It just wouldn't make sense for it not to correlate. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy is like exercise and nutrition and all that stuff is a well-known thing that everybody's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I don't, I think it's not, it's not disputable. I guess that exercise and eating well are good for your body, but I am super interested to learn more about, well, what about your body when you're going through something as traumatic and, um, what do I want to say? I mean, like toxic as introducing yeah. chemo into your body. I mean, I know that there's, 
you know, studies out there that indicate just taking an antibiotic that long-term implications it can have on your microbiome and how it can kind of wipe your immune system. Like I've been a total wig about like my children in the first (laughs) year of life. I'm like, no, they have an ear infection. I don't want them on an antibiotic because I'm terrified what that's going to do. Or even like when I take ibuprofen, I'll like stare at it in my hand. Like, oh my God, what are you going to do to my body? (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty drastic. Yeah, it is a little drastic. But what like – Chemo is toxic to your body, and that's no secret. And so, like, what can we be doing for our bodies with nutrition to? Yeah, so I help mitigate some of that. Yeah, I do have my master's in exercise. I'm stepping way ahead. That's okay. Um, So I do have my exercise. I have my master's in exercise phys, so I know a good amount of like nutrition when it comes to healthy populations, but mostly mostly exercise and mostly physiology. Um, From the little bit of research and like stuff I have read about. So yeah. weight management is a big deal in both pediatric population, but just general like cancer population. Because what we'll see is like individuals will, one of that like incidents or symptoms of possibly a cancer diagnosis is a drastic weight change. So like due to tumor gain or loss, gain or loss. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's mostly usually seen as loss and I'm sure some doctor yeah. or PhD can correct me on that at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but what it is is tumor metabolism. So we have different pathways in our body that metabolize um, different things. But essentially what happens in – it's called the Warburg effect, which is an increased regulation of what's called glycolysis in your body. So um, – tumor metabolism wants to take all of the energy and shunt it and put it towards that tumor growth because cancer cells are constantly dividing at a rapid abnormal rate. So what you might see is that weight loss because your metabolism is ramped up and it's pulling anything from anywhere. Makes total sense. Yeah. To essentially kind of feed the cancer. Yes. And then there's a whole bunch of other different uh, camps and thought processes about that ramped up metabolism. Mm -hmm. So like that's also useful for chemotherapy to directly target that like tumor because the it also has a whole thing of angiogenesis where a tumor will grow its own blood vessels to support that increased metabolism and that growth. And so you want to use a chemotherapy that targets that yeah. tumor. And it's just like, and a lot of this I did not know until I started like being involved in it. So I have a very like baseline when it comes to cancer biology and like all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely something that interests me more as I do more research where like, so exercise and nutrition and things like that. Overall, we're seeing like, like, you know, that exercise and good nutrition will help both decrease your like risk of cancer incidence. It'll help alleviate cancer symptoms and things like that. But I am, I have more of an interest now in looking at the, like the biology and the metabolites and the direct like molecular mechanisms that exercise and nutrition can impact cancer survivors. But, um, I'll go back to where I was with weight management. Yeah. Um, so like making sure during nutrient, like during treatment and things like that, one of the big things I've seen is, um, like protein intake and increasing and maintaining protein intake for our patients is a a good thing. Um, And like obviously dependent upon certain treatments and things like that, that might 
there's been different, and that's the thing is with nutrition to me, nutrition is, and this is just in healthy populations too. Like yeah. nutrition is very, and this is my personal opinion is very individualized upon the person and dependent upon what they're doing. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like nutrition is at the forefront right now. It's, it's yeah. trendy if you will. Yes. <laughs> and so there's like all these fads, keto yes. or uh, paleo yeah. or mm-hmm. high fat. And it's like, it kind of makes me crazy because I think, and again, I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a doctor, but I yeah. think that nutrition is so individualized. It's very individualized. It really, really is. And like, it also depends upon what you're doing. Absolutely. So like, when I was training for my triathlon or something like that, like the carbohydrate amount that I needed to sustain the intensity of my exercise and things like that was completely different comparative to when... I would just be resistance training like once or twice a week. And that also can vary upon my protein intake too. So like with cancer diagnosis and and things like that, like, so we can see that there might be an increase in like protein synthesis or protein breakdown dependent upon diagnosis and things like that. So protein is helpful because you want to help alleviate some of that like degradation that might be happening. So there's like cancer cachexia or sarcopenia. So cancer cachexia is muscle wasting. And so it's, and I don't know, I haven't looked at research um, looking at like nutrition in cancer cachexia. I would, I should look at that more. Um, But like resistance training has been helped to help, like shown to help with muscle wasting and things like that. Yeah. And so I can only imagine just from the standpoint of, normal healthy and I could be completely wrong but normal healthy individuals if you're not getting enough protein but let's say you're an extreme weightlifter and you're weightlifting four or five days a week that will cause like it both it's your body's cool um you're when you do resistance training of any sort you have a muscle breakdown to help build new muscle yeah but if you don't have the building blocks the amino acids the protein intake appropriate for that your body's not going to be able to increase protein synthesis or help build new muscle. Yeah. So I can imagine the same thing is similar for our patients when they're going through treatment and we have this increase in protein degradation. But if we don't have an influx of protein, we can't either help at least maintain lean mass in our body yeah. or even if necessary, grow lean mass. So it's it's been interesting because some of the research too of like, rhabdosarcomas and muscle um, cancers is like, you'll see that weight decrease and the decrease in lean mass has also been shown with like a decrease in efficacy of treatment and like prolonged outcomes. So it's, it's just like so many things that go into it. And then like you've said, like chemotherapy, it's toxic, which in turn, I mean, it's (laughs) chemotherapy is such a odd slash cool thing where it's, directly targeting double-edged yeah sword. it's like we're gonna kill like kill we're gonna give you the stuff that's gonna cure your cancer like intend to cure your cancer but on the side effect we might give you hearing loss cancer related fatigue like cardiovascular effects like there's so many things and that's what's really great about where the field is going is trying to eliminate the toxicities that patients are seeing with their cancer treatment Absolutely. and helping to distinctly make sure that we can try and not have as long lasting effects. And so the big thing with the AYA population to like kind of get back on track of this study is 
almost there are like 70,000 AYA survivors every mm-hmm. year or something. I probably am like st- st- re- like reading off that st- stat wrong. but So adolescent, um, young adult. Yeah, adolescent, young adult. So ages 15 to 39 is what the NCI, okay. National Cancer Institute, like deems as adolescent, young adult. So they're diagnosed between that age range or currently living with a diagnosis at that point and things okay. like that. Okay. Um, and they are more likely to be sedentary, more likely to incur a cardiovascular like disease or event. They're more likely to have obesity. There's like type two diabetes, just, just all of that these population in general. Yeah, just that population in general. But I, and I am probably overreaching or stepping by saying this, but like just almost any diagnosis and even pediatric cancer survivors, the same thing of like yeah the outcomes of their treatment can be much more long lasting than that four to five years. Like I think specifically of our ALL patients of like that treatment where, you know, you're two to three years of on treatment. It's a long time of going through all of this. And so it doesn't just stop when they ring the bell and it's over. It extends prior to that. We're like, yeah. With so many things. Yeah, with so many things. And a big thing, too, is just the quality of life of these patients as well. Because I, so specifically, I work in the cancer studies. So when I'm doing those studies, a big big part of what I do is I oversee our trainers. So I oversee our trainers. I oversee the assessments that we do. I do assessments on our patients and our subjects. I send out surveys. I talk with them. I make sure all their workouts are written appropriately. I do, I do a lot of things. I do data management and all that stuff. I Um, almost wanted to ask you if I could do like a mock one before. Yeah. They're long. Our assessments for the studies are long because we're looking at neuropathy, balance, flexibility, strength, cardiovascular function. So many components. Um, We're doing a blood draw. There's so many things because there's just so many things to look at. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of oversee over all of that, but I also get the chance to interact with our subjects and our patients. And so it's very interesting to see the variety of the impact of the treatment on individuals, especially from a mental standpoint, but also like a physical standpoint of like, for the most part, we have patients with testicular cancer, ALL. Um, we have one CNS tumor and like things like that, where it's we have a wide variety and mm-hmm. we're currently just in the very beginning stages of all this. Yeah. So the goal is to get 374 participants. So it's, it's a lot of humans that yeah. we're hoping to see and look at, yeah. but even just in the small subsection of 10 individuals that we have to see like somebody, these two subjects might've gone through the same, essentially almost the same treatment, but one Total of them different. over here yeah. has a completely different, outlook on things and is functioning completely different than somebody else who is, you know, going and running marathons and doing things like that. So it's, it's really mind boggling to me. Um, so sorry, I just went on a tangent. So, um, in this study, is it, cause I know you've prefaced a few times, like your expertise, um, would be more in the exercise component versus nutrition, but is there a dietitian working with these kiddos? Not on study. So this is another weird thing or not weird thing, but so the main goal of Dr. Edmire's goal or vision or, uh, 
dream is to build right now what is called the Indiana Cancer Wellness Center. So the Indiana Cancer Wellness Center is to help patients after they ring that bell, like, okay, now what? So the center itself will anticipates to have like a, a, I was going to say personal trainer, which it will, which is the exercise arm and like kind of like the study, but like exercise sessions, exercise options for clients and then a nutritionist, a social worker, or like a guidance counselor, uh, acupuncture, massage, physical therapy. I don't know if we're going to do OT, but yeah, but definitely nutrition and things like that, because that is an interesting thing. So like ALO patients, they get a lot of steroids. So one of the things that they've seen too, is that during treatment, there's a almost like a linear progression in weight gain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that will subside once the steroids are removed and things like that. But there's also been a good trend of like their weight gain continues long after treatment and that just never returns back to normal. So like having that during treatment discussion of better ways to do weight management and things like that or like the, or even in, and I'm trying to remember because I was just reading a paper about body composition and things like that. Cause it was very interesting to me because it's true like your body composition during like just even interacting with these patients, I've seen it like in person of like, Oh, like I can tell you're on steroids right now because I can just see it kind of in your face and things like that. And then they're off them and I'm like, Oh, okay. You're off. And so it's very interesting. So it's not like I walk up to them. I'm like, Hey, what you taking today? No, that's not, that's not usually my conversations. Yeah. Um, But so I think a conversation about weight management during treatment is definitely something that needs to be kind of discussed or ways to, and that's where exercise implementation during treatment, which is extremely hard. And I think it's, uh, has to be a very fine balance. And that's absolutely like yeah. the American college of sports medicine, which is actually the headquarters are here in Indy. Uh, fun fact, very but cool. they have, a done a very good job of building exercise guidelines for cancer survivors and cancer patients. And it's just coming out more and more that it needs to be very individualized to either the cancer to the patient. And so like right now it's, they're slowly narrowing in on like, maybe this is best for breast cancer. Maybe this is best for prostate cancer. Maybe this is best for blood like Mm -hmm. cancers, but overall it still needs to be individualized to like the patients. Um, and it's funny because UNC, where I went to school, University of Northern Colorado, not the UNC, has been doing like individualized treatment for a very long time. So it's kind of funny to be like, wait, we've been doing this. So yeah. Maybe yeah. it's not that new of news. But yeah. um, I definitely think like during treatment, just having that discussion of like getting up and walking or like uh, making sure that we have the discussions about healthy options for food and like things like that. Cause, but it's also such a delicate role or conversation to have because some of these kids are having mucositis. Some of these kids are dealing with the fact that they don't want to eat at all because every time they eat, they want to throw up. Yes. But at the same time, if we're yeah, not oh my gosh, properly. Nausea can yeah. Be, exactly. I've worked with some kiddos that it is just a persistent, like, yeah, in their yeah. life that they can't function, they can't go to school, they yeah. can't eat anything. Yeah, and so it's and like, sometimes those like um, tummy settling foods are the crappy ones for you. Yeah, to it's, to certainly be only having like crackers or carbs to just yeah. have a straight diet of that because exactly. that's what's soothing. 
And that's the hard part is like, and so many barriers. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a lot of experience in that area. And like, I would love to sit down and talk to RDs about it more too, because like, I, I want to be able to like give a little bit more background knowledge, but I always like, I say this, I like, I want to always stay in my lane. Sure. Um, yeah. And, but at the same time, like exercise and nutrition almost always go hand in hand. Yeah. Almost always. Like yes. when I have a client come to me or somebody is like, I want to start an exercise program. I want to lose weight. I'm like, okay. Well, what are you eating? Yeah. What are you eating? What is, what does your diet look like? And so I think. And don't they say. Of course, you know, exercise implementation for the population you're seeing isn't for weight loss. No. But if that is what you're doing, don't they say that the nutrition component is 70% of the... Yes. Like, it. yeah. It does not matter. (laughs) Like, it does not matter. I'll just use myself as an example. I exercise like five to six days a week for an hour to two hours, depending upon what my workout is, things like that. Yeah. It does not matter if I do that, but I still go home and I eat excessive amount of calories of like the ice cream and the pizza and all the delicious things. You're all the work you just did. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, sadly, like energy balance is the end all be all of everything. So when it comes to these patients, I mean- Energy balance is the end all be all of like if you're weight loss yeah, or weight yeah. gain. Yeah. And, but if you want to change your body composition, that does come down to like, yeah. like you said, if their diet is mostly Cheetos and whatever feels yeah. good, then and we're not necessarily going to change the composition. Yeah. But that's the hard part is you can't just be like, no, you can't have Cheetos because I need you to eat a vegetable. Yeah. I'm not going to tell a patient that because yeah. at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is the energy balance. And if these kids are like going through treatment and they're expending so much more calories than they're consuming, we don't care about the composition. We just care about getting the caloric balance right. Yeah. I think you also have to be mindful about, so you think of the total life change and schedule shift um, and everything that comes along with a cancer diagnosis it's really easy for families to get into, I don't want to say bad habits, but yeah. maybe not ideal habits or um, stray away from like normal routine. You're in a hospital, your sleeping patterns are off. Yeah. So what's open at 11 when you're <laughs> awake in the hospital setting, yeah. maybe the vending machine, or you don't have time to go home and cook a dinner because you guys are here. So you're like getting drive through or your yeah. kid has cancer. So you're like, Oh, you what want a you McDonald's want? Happy Meal? Okay. You get, yeah, exactly. So it's just, I think it's also, that's another big component is it's easy for maybe once healthy lifestyle families to fall into some not ideal yeah. habits because well, of the yeah. what's going on in your yeah. life. And there's a lot of things that happen too of like food aversions or food like, mm-hmm. like, oh, I had that during treatment and I threw up every time. Oh, or absolutely. Like that, like the smell of broccoli reminds me of the one time I got like, yes, I got yeah. peg and it made me go yeah. into like a reaction or like, yeah. so there's a lot of food scares around it too. Or then yeah. there's all this, there's always like sugar causes cancer or like mm-hmm. this is, this causes cancer, that causes cancer. Yeah. And so like, there's definitely a lot of like, foods like food fear around certain things too and so or even just like aversion so it's one of those things where it's a very a very hard thing to like you both have to educate on like this is healthy for you and this is what might be needed and then you also have to be cognizant of the fact like 
I just want you to eat something or anything yeah. at this point. So yeah. I think during treatment, and this is just a personal yeah. opinion, um, if we ever, if we do a podcast again, I'll do more research on nutrition and stuff for you so we can be more specific and nobody can yeah, no, I just, and I know, like you said, they kind of go hand in hand, but I am just, I'm so yeah. interested by both, you know, yeah. aspects. But yeah, so I just think, you know, both are really interesting to me, um, the the exercise component, but also the nutrition component, also because with the nutrition component, it's like, what can I be doing on treatment so that maybe I tolerate treatment better? But then yeah. you, know, you hear families all the time say like, what are we doing wrong that we, that we got this diagnosis in the first place? And like you said, sugar is not giving you cancer. No. Um, I mean, there's a lot of like anti-inflammatory, like and a proper diet and a variety of diet can help yeah. decrease in like the increase, decrease the incident of cancer, the risk of cancer. But yeah. like, I think that's the hardest part. I'm assuming with these families and things like that, it's like nobody did anything wrong. Yeah. And like, granted, and like, granted, there are things you can do to help decrease the risk of getting cancer. But like, yeah, it's not like you decided to eat a burger one day and yeah. uh, that was it. Like the, like, this sounds awful, but the cancer gods, quote unquote, I'm yes. using my fingers. Yes. I used to give like, there was like the car gods, the parking lot gods, everything <laughs> used to have gone. Like, so, but it's not like some one distinct moment was like, that's it. You decided. Yeah. Like you made that decision. Nobody ever made yeah. that decision. And I think what makes nutrition really hard. And again, I'm not a dietitian or a researcher <laughs> or a doctor, but like in the little researcher digging I try to do, it's, it's so individualized. There's not a ton of really specific yeah. data and research because everybody's different yeah. and everybody tolerates things differently. But I think the thing that seems consistent in the research that I've tried to do or things I've read are that there are components of foods that prove to be um, like health, good for healthy cell reproduction. Yes, and obviously exactly. what we know about cancer is that it's non-healthy yeah, cell reproduction. Exactly. So like antioxidants or what fiber is doing or what proteins are doing or what um, like phytochemicals in in certain foods are doing for healthy cell reproduction. That kind of stuff I think is pretty interesting. Have you heard of Dr. Rhonda Patrick? Uh, I have not. Sounds familiar. I went down a broccoli sprout (laughs) rabbit hole because she was on a podcast talking about just all the great things, chemicals um, inside of or, you know, components of broccoli sprouts and how those things are good for, you know, mitochondria yeah. um, and like cell reproduction. So that kind of stuff I can like cling on to more than yeah. like don't eat dairy. Yeah. No. I eat yogurt every day and it's a good probiotic and yeah. I don't, it doesn't make me feel yucky. No. But and for you, dairy really, might make yeah. you feel and a certain way. That's literally what I think it all comes down to is like yeah. what works well for you and like if you – if something is not genuinely working, like if you are like – you need something that is tailored to you. Like a dietitian will know exactly what you yeah. need. But like, yeah, that is a crazy thing. It's like food has such an impact on so many things. And so many people are like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. And then, oh, it's a, it's a spectrum. But I feel yeah. like there's two big camps where it's like you eat, you eat absolutely only this and like a very restrictive and like these are good for you or, and, or else like you drink this and you're going to have some sort of weird – 
effect yeah. and like don't ever eat dairy, don't ever eat cheese. Or you have people that are like, I don't care. I just put whatever in my body. And it's yeah. supposed to be a happy medium. Yes. At least that's what I try to do with yeah. my clients, myself is like, absolutely. you know what, eat a variety of things, like eat a whole bunch of different colors, have your plate look nice. And then like, yeah. you know what, have a burger on the weekend, yeah. have some fries. And if you have a plate of just brown stuff one day, you'll be fine. Like, yeah. As long as you're eating a wide variety, you're most likely getting a lot of the macronutrients and micronutrients and phytochemicals that you need. Yeah. But once again, that's a hard, hard sell in our population yeah. sometimes. And then, of course, like, our, we do a great job of being cognizant of, like, making sure that we get all of our kids the right. Yeah. The Be- right. Because there's intake. stuff out there. Like, I was even reading kind of last week, I think, in just preparing to talk to you, um, and I saw – through Stanford um, Hospital, they had on just on their website like specific plans, um, including um, you know nutrition and exercise, but for specific diagnoses like breast cancer, yeah. diets, yeah, or yeah. colon cancer, and then exercise to be paired with it. But there are books. I mean, there's tons of books out there yeah. on like. Um, chemo diets yeah, and stuff. So, but you've got to just be careful with that kind of stuff yeah. because. Always do your research. Always do your research. Yeah. But I do want to get back to, since especially, you know, that's your, your wheelhouse and specialty exercise. So of course, you know, I'm not on treatment for cancer, but you know, even last week I felt sick. Mm-hmm. So my kiddos had, you know, you know, I don't know, a cold and I was kind of feeling that onset. And I had this mindset of I'm going to, like, try to sweat it out and just yeah. work out anyways. And my husband's like, you need to sleep and rest. Sleep yeah. is, in a, is best for you right yeah. now. And it's like, is it? Yeah. You know, so, or is, like, overly exerting my body? Is yeah. that bad? Well, and so what it, what it is normally is it kind of depends on how sick you're feeling. Yeah. And, like, what's, like, really going on. So, like, most, like, head and above – I usually go off the, like, you'll be okay, but, like, low and so, like, depending on the intensity of your exercise, it causes... And you're, an like, implant. sinus head yeah. cold. Yeah, that, and then in everything yeah. kind of... So, exercise is a stress, or is a stressor, so, so is a cold, so is anything like that. So, yeah. like, your intensity of exercise is going to elicit an inflammatory response. So, you do want a little bit of inflammation, obviously, yeah. because it's going to help clear out that sickness and things like that. Yeah. But the question then is the intensity of which, so if you have long, super long duration, so like when somebody does an ultra marathon and runs like a hundred miles per hour, a hundred miles, a uh, hundred <laughs> miles, period, not an Who hour. Who is running a hundred miles per hour? I, I want to meet that, you. Yeah. There was that one guy who a did a, he just did a half marathon or yeah. no, did a, Full marathon? Full marathon in, like, under two hours. He beat the record, and so it's, Holy like... Holy moly. But that was an interesting thing, because he... Yeah. He had the perfect condition, so not everybody's considering it appropriate. But, like, um, so, like, if you, you're you running an sure. ultra marathon yeah. or something like that, that extended period of exercise can actually cause, like, immune suppression. So I think there's a good, like, in-between of, like, sweating it out when, like, you do have, like, a head cold or, like, a general cold... Yeah, you're probably fine. Would I like go? I was. I'm not gonna say go hard in the paint, but I was gonna say <laughs> hard in the paint. Would I go? <laughs> would I go full red line and yeah. do it for like two and a half hours, where like 
it's extremely taxing? Probably not because yeah. you might elicit some sort of immunosuppression at that some point. Yeah. But, you know, like low intensity or moderate intensity of getting your heart rate up around like 75 to 80% and yeah. just like getting a good sweat and feel. Like, yeah. I think there's a good indication of just like for healthy population, like you have a good idea of yeah. like, okay, I'm, I'm fine. I can do this. But like, if you're having like a chest cold and like, you're really struggling to breathe and it's going to be like a lot more taxing. No, I wouldn't go do like yeah high intensity exercise training. And because like I said, it can elicit some, some of a immunosuppression, but yeah. maybe go for a 10, 20 minute walk and like get up and move around. Cause I know that even when I'm feeling like super crummy or have a cold or stuff like that, yeah. like just getting up and moving a little bit, not necessarily like I go for a five mile run, but like getting up, go for a mile walk, go for a 20 minute walk, things like that. Yeah. It can be helpful. So with our population, so we actually did, I was on a study earlier this year that was looking at home exercise intervention or exercise in during inpatient. So during day from day 29 of um, ALL treatment through it was an eight week intervention. So usually they were just starting consolidation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's extremely hard to do with some of our patients because they're inpatient and when yeah. they're inpatient, they don't feel great. They're yeah. having bloody noses. They're yeah. hooked to an IV hooked to a whole bunch of tubes. Like, yeah, it's just hard to get up yeah. and move around. But the patients that did end up getting up and doing stuff generally said like, I felt better. Like it felt good to just get up and move. And I mean, part of that might just be, you know, like the endorphins and then getting up and moving. But I think also part of it is like, that's a result. Yeah. And and part of it though is also like, you just feel like a normal human again of like moving, getting up and moving and things like that. And there's been Terry and it's, yeah, it's not fun. And it's cut. Yeah. And it just in general, like being sedentary is not beneficial for a lot of a lot of health reasons. Yeah. And so like there was even a study looking at breast cancer survivors or breast cancer patients yeah. going through taxane treatment and they'd used so chemotherapy periodized exercise programs. Uh-huh. So essentially what they did is they tailored their exercise intervention to their chemotherapy plans. Mm-hmm. So when they were on treatment or getting chemotherapy the week after their chemo was completed, they had a like low intensity week and then they ramped up from there. And, but they compared it to a group that had just a regular linear periodization. So like didn't matter. They started at, let's say like a hundred, well, they started at like 50% of their heart rate and then they just increased every week. And they saw that individuals, who were on the periodized or like the ever changing exercise program actually were more adherent to their programming and felt better and um, were able to maintain an increase better than the linear group where the linear group wasn't um, they wouldn't like show up some days after treatment, things like that. So, and if I remember correctly, I'd have to pull up the study and look at it again. They also didn't, workout during treatment the linear group didn't so I think just that during treatment and like being cognizant of like okay you're getting chemo on Monday Wednesday Friday and we just kind of lower your intensity but not necessarily stop for during that week yeah can help both with adherence throughout the entire program but 
alleviate any of that, like, the feeling of, like, this, I just feel crummy. And a lot of those yeah. subjects just reported a better quality of life during that time, too, and more energy and fatigue wow. and things like that. So it's very, it's very interesting, and, like, cancer-related fatigue or chemotherapy-induced fatigue or anything like that, that's another big thing where it's, like, kind of a, you wouldn't think of, it's counter like, counterintuitive to what you would think, like, exercise is tiring and makes me tired. Why would exercising help the fact that I already feel fatigued and tired from treatment? And so I really want to understand like the mechanisms, the biomechanisms of that. But like it's been seen that like aerobic exercise has helped like longer in duration, over 30 minutes, if I remember correctly. I could, I should have brought my, I should have brought my round table guidelines. Um, but it was like exercise over 30 minutes of aerobic exercise has been helped to decrease the amount of fatigue that people are feeling. And it's yeah. just kind of so amazing where if we can implement that. And I would love, like one of my goals is, I mean, obviously a lot of our patients are seen by physical therapy during their inpatient stay. Mm-hmm. But I would love for it like kind of be similar to cardiac rehab where we have, so during cardiac rehab, somebody has a a heart event or a cardiac event, they're usually seen inpatient by exercise physiologists, which is really awesome. And it's just getting them up and walking around and seeing them for a certain amount of time. And in that population, it's mostly because it's it's a heart heart thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they don't necessarily need physical therapy. They just need to get up and work out a little bit. But I would love to see that in our population too, because one, that would help alleviate some of the load from the physical therapist, but also just implementing some sort of like 20 minutes a day, we try and get up and we do some sort of exercise um, just to see how that helps with fatigue levels. Yeah. And like specifically inpatient when these kids don't have that because it was also seen that supervised versus mm-hmm. unsupervised has been more beneficial for fatigue, for anxiety, for depression, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so I know that there's a lot of studies that are looking at now <laughs> if it's the actual like interaction of you and me sitting here super like one-on-one or yeah. if it's the exercise itself. Yeah. So I just and rambled. No. And <laughs> I, so just because, you know, my work schedule and how early I get up in the morning and then having two kiddos, like my time to be able to work out is usually like eight thirty, eight, yeah. which is late. Yeah. Um, um, when my kiddos are asleep. So, you know, the other day I was talk, talking to Donna about how that that's the time that I usually do. It. And she goes, oh, my gosh, can you go to bed at night? Um, which, you know, speaking to exercise, not making you fatigued. And I do. Sometimes yeah. I'll have trouble going to bed because it's kind of, I don't know what yeah. it's done to my the cortisol or my yeah, adrenaline yeah. or my endorphins. But I do sometimes, like, I need that 45 minutes afterwards to like slowly chill down before I can feel like I could even yeah. get in bed yeah. because I'm kind of, I don't want to say jacked up, but yeah. no, your adrenaline is <laughs> yeah, and your stress level, yeah. your stress levels are high. Due so to it the is, fact, it yeah. is interesting because it seems like yeah. counterintuitive, like that it contradicts itself that working out makes you tired. I'm, <gasps> yeah. you know, huffing yeah. and puffing afterwards. It's made yeah. me tired, but I feel like I have drink a cup of coffee yeah in a way exactly and it's yeah. just more of like the release of adrenaline the release of endor- endorphins things yeah. like that but it's also your body now is used to that stress level so you've yeah your exercise and all that stuff is there's a general adaptation syndrome and I won't go into that but essentially like 
you elicit a stress so your body learns an adaptation to respond better to that stress next time. So that if you're fatiguing your system, your body goes, okay, I don't want to feel that again. Yeah. I'm going to change some things so I can yeah. better adapt to that. So it would also be interesting to see, like, if we're implementing, like, certain exercises or things like that. Yeah. If it's beneficial to chemo treatment, things like that, where it's like, okay, we had this massive stress here of chemo and exercise. My body wants to better adapt to like, I don't know, better deal with that stress the next time it comes. Yeah. And so like from a sleep standpoint, that's pretty normal. But then sometimes if, I don't know if you consistently do that, like every, like you always work out at eight o'clock, sometimes your body will just end up getting used to it and yeah. your hormone levels like yeah. start to and match Yeah. That. When Donna had asked me that, I was like, I mean, so let's, you know, if I work out at eight, I get done at nine, I shower, you know, showering's also in that yeah. kind of cool down time. You know, maybe it is like 10 by the time I'm going to bed, but I, I fall right asleep. Yeah. I mean, do I feel like it's definitely give, given me a little more energy? I probably would say I feel more energetic after than before. Before, it, I do have to like sometimes yeah. work myself up. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say that my body has gotten used to it. Yeah. I did want to ask you, so like how would, because even speaking just so me working out, at 8 p.m. Sometimes I feel like my body is trying to trick me and be like, you're tired. How are you? You're not going to be able to, to work out because it's been a long day. Yeah. So how do chemo patients or patients, you know, on chemotherapy differentiate when they're feeling, oh, I'm tired and maybe it's this isn't a good right day there. to work yeah. out. Um, um, that's hard. Sometimes you have to work yourself up and once yeah. you get started – you're, You're like, fine. okay, I've got yeah. this. And to be honest, like, and I don't have science to back me up on this yeah. one. Um, I would do it similarly to what I tell my clients or what I tell a healthy yeah. population. Think about your last 24 hours. Yeah. Think about are you fed appropriately? Have you had enough water? How was your sleep? How was yeah. How was your treatment that day? Yeah. Did you just have a nosebleed for the past, like, 24 hours? Yeah. What were your counts? Like, yeah. there's a lot more um, – I mean, especially inpatient or really if they've come to the doctor that day, you can think about like, okay, what has happened in the last 24 hours? What might elicit the need to take it a little bit slower, do a little bit lower intensity? Yeah. What might elicit the need to just be like, you know what, today's a rest day. Yeah. Um, so I usually try to look at that. So think about your water intake, think about your food intake, think about in this population, think about, okay, my ANC was... 500 on the dot. Maybe not the best day. My hemoglobin was yeah, yeah. seven. Had to get a transfusion. Today's probably not the best day. Yeah. I slept two hours. Yeah. Because, I slept two hours yeah. because I had the nurses coming in and yeah, checking on me yeah. and my blood pressure cuff popped off five times. Like, yeah. Maybe today's not yeah. the best day. And even if, so those are just things to like all compile and take like a checklist. If there's a whole bunch mm -hmm. of green lights, cool, great, go for yeah. it. If you got more reds than you've got green, probably not the best day. And to maybe go negotiating for it. with yourself, like what's minimally what could you know, yeah. like, even just take a walk exactly and the that's, hallways. Yeah, that's today. my other like, and I'm gonna compare it to a healthy population only because to me, like to me, these patients, yes, they are these subjects, these patients, yes, they are cancer patients, they are cancer survivors but they're also human. 
Yeah. And they can they can still do the same things a healthy population can do. They just have a little bit more consideration to go into their they programming. They just have a few more to, barriers. Yeah. They just have yeah. some things that you have to be cognizant of mm-hmm. as a coach, as a mm-hmm. parent, as a yeah. patient. And so, like, you just have to be aware of, like, that. But that's what I usually say is, like, give it 20 minutes. Yeah. Try and do or do two minutes. Yeah. Just even two minutes of this and be like, you know what? I did two minutes. I'm done. Yeah. Or, okay, I did two minutes. Try and go for five. Okay, and in five minutes, let's try and go for 10. Sometimes I think our kids live in this, I can't. Yes. And it's like shifting to what, what can I do? Yeah. I can handle walking some laps. Yeah. I can handle 15 minutes. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's a big thing. And, and almost, yeah. Because if you focus on thing. what you can't do, then it probably seems like any exercise is not attainable. Yeah. And that's another big thing is like a lot of people, I'm the exercise lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was down in clinic, when I would be down in clinic, I would be like, oh, that's the exercise lady. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of, um, it's a lot of apprehension about exercise during treatment because these kids are going through so much. Mm-hmm. And they're, it's almost like a little like, Haha, you want this kid to try and exercise when they, I can't even get them to want to like get up and walk to the bathroom. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I do because I want to help, help them get, get, get that idea that like you can still do this. And so that's like another, like, that's my big soapbox of like, I have my own like side business. (laughs) Not really, but you have a blog. I I do. And so plug it right now. What is it? It's happy, healthy Halsey. It's an Instagram handle, but, um, that's like kind of and but where you're encouraging people to I want I want people to realize how capable they are of things and like yes this population in in particular is what like grew that in me mm-hmm. is like watching a breast cancer survivor or a non non Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor who has had both of her wrists replaced both of her ankles replaced like knee replacements like all this stuff tell me I want to do a triathlon or I want to do a half marathon and like actually train and do things for it was by far is by far the like coolest thing to watch somebody go from cancer treatment and thinking like, I cannot do this to I can do this. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to instill that in every human being. I just want to like shake. I was like, yes, tell people. I'm always like, I just want to shake people and be like, you're so capable of doing everything. You're so strong. You're stronger than you think you are. And so I think that's like my biggest goal is to just like show these patients that like you're, I, I, this was probably too inappropriate. You're going through hell right now. Like that's, it's true. Like they're going through hell and like, we want to help make it a little less hellish yeah, and like benefit you as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. And not only, I mean, I would imagine that exercise obviously is helping your body physically, yeah. but your mental state. Yeah. So there's a lot of research that suggests that, um, you know, exercise. Well, it helps with anxiety, depression, fatigue. It helps with cognition. So like chemo fog, it's a huge thing. Like a lot of our kids, which is uh, what I feel like I'm trying to help 
families yes. navigate when it comes to yeah. school. Yeah. Well, just like even attention is a huge thing of yeah. like these kids are having issues of like I can't keep up with my like peers, my counterparts. Like yeah, I can't focus. My memory is yeah not what it used. They to just be. have a lot of my barriers. Processing speed. Yeah, yeah. And so exercise, yes, has. I mean, even in healthy populations. It's been shown to improve mood. It's in, shown to improve sleep. It's improved to uh, improve. Shown to improve. Shown to improve, <laughs> like cognition and yeah, things like that. Absolutely. And recall. So, like, yeah. It's a, and it's if all, you could put exercise in a pill as a medicine, it has a lot of benefits. That a we coping just, skill yeah, to get exactly. out anger or yeah. you know frustration that you're exactly. feeling. If you're feeling angry, go to the gym. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's very, very beneficial. It's also a way to, you know, maybe get kids outside. Yeah. And there's a lot of research to suggest that, you know, hospital rooms where there's a window and people can see trees and can see nature and being connected to nature, what kinds of things that's doing for you. Yeah. So even, you know, taking a hike or connecting exercise and being outdoors, getting vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I have so many things. Yeah. Just been- <laughs> endless benefits, but it yeah. does seem like that is a non-attainable or I'll do that when I'm off treatment sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's, and that was like a big thing. I had a pa- uh, parent even be like, I think what you guys are doing is great. Like you should definitely keep it up. And like the benefits of exercise during treatment need to be more expressed and like kind of push push kids a little bit more, but it's, it's a fine line. Yeah. And And certainly I would imagine pretty hard if you are meeting a family on treatment who previously didn't have healthy. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's the hard thing. And so what you'll see too is a lot of patients. So like there is an obesity epidemic kind of going on in the United States, but also in children, we're seeing a larger increase of or incidence of obesity and obesity has also been linked to worse prognosis and worse outcomes to treatment. And absolutely. So that's another big conversation of, or importance of weight management, weight control and exercise during treatment, because if we can help you increase your chances of like treatment, what am I trying to say? If we can increase your chances of the efficacy of your treatment and making sure that yeah. you don't have, or helping decrease your risk of an like relapse and things like absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like, that's another big thing is, like, obesity has also been associated with an increased incidence of relapse or progression. And so it's, like, it's, like we said, it's a fine line of, like, I want to implement exercise not just because I want you to be strong. And I want to implement exercise so throughout your lifespan we can help. Yeah. Help so many other outcomes and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's super important and I think it's really great work that you're doing. And um, I think when it comes to like exercise science and nutrition, there are just so many different um, recommendations. I feel like families and just people in general get lost in and what things to adhere to yeah. and what ideologies make sense. Cause there's just so much out there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to like navigate through all of it. Yeah. Well, and even as a seemingly normal quote unquote healthy person, I'm always trying to, you know, yeah. Figure it out. There's, yeah. <laughs> What's well, best? there's just so many things. Yeah. What is best? I'm supposed to be doing high intensity. I'm yes. supposed to be doing low intensity. I'm supposed yeah. to do this. And like, yeah. there are just so many layers to it. Like I was listening to a podcast about bone health. And like, if you think about women with breast, can- breast cancer, like the treatments that they go under and yeah. like, there are so many different things where like, 
prostate cancer, like just all these different yes. like levels. And like, we went on lots of tangents today that I could I probably could have been more yeah. direct on certain things, but, um, yeah, it's just, there's always so much more to learn and like so much more to know every yeah. time. Well, I think it would be really interesting if I came to the wellness center and you did like a mock workout Yes, with me. It won't be an 8 p.m. though. Okay. Yes. No, that, that sounds great. We'll make that a midday thing. Um, but, and I will say on the weekends when I'm not working, I try to yeah. work out like at normal times. Yeah. Be a normal human. <laughs> Just be normal. Yeah. No. Uh, and that, which feels like a treat if I'm like yeah. working at one. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I'm like, you know, do normal things at night. Anyway, um, I would love to to do that and see kind of some of the things that you, cause you've already said it's pretty individualized yeah. for each patient on or off yeah. treatment and, exactly. and what, you know, you're, you're coaching them through. And then even some of the meal plan suggestions that you have, and maybe we could do another part two episode to talk more in depth about some of the yeah. ideas that you offer up to families. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, okay. So one of our segments on the podcast, um, I wish, I'm wondering if you can give us a wish that you would have for kids on treatment or maybe even coming off treatment and kind of their thoughts on their capabilities when it comes to exercise and even healthy nutrition. Yeah. Um, I think I wish more kids understood the importance of exercise um, and that I, well, I wish that everyone understood the importance of exercise more, but especially this population of like, it doesn't mean you have to be a bodybuilder. It doesn't mean you have to be an endurance runner. It doesn't mean you have to be like the most fit person in the room. Yeah. I just want them to know that they're capable of taking care of themselves and being healthy and that healthy looks different for every person. And whether that's you know, somebody who comes off treatment and becomes a marathon runner, or that's somebody who comes off treatment and becomes somebody who's like, yeah, I walk three times a week for about a mile. And that's their extent of healthy, if that's what their extent of healthy is. And then for kids during treatment, I just want them to know that like any little bit helps. And I wish for them to do anything that makes them feel a little bit better about themselves. Because right now that's a hard it's a hard position to be sitting in to feel so crummy and so not like your counterparts. So like if you're fit and healthy to you is like when you're not here at Riley that you can go out and do, I have one kiddo who likes to do like the razor board, like the skateboard that has like two separate, like, which looks like I would bust my butt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like go do that. Like try and like, And I wish for them to understand that, like, you might not be where you were at before treatment, but whatever you can do is better than nothing. And you, you can with enough, with enough practice Mm -hmm. and enough effort, you can get close to where you were at and to not give up on like yourself when it comes to health and fitness, like. It's hard, which I can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, we talked about this in a podcast we recorded last week um, at Brain Tumor Camp. I haven't edited or posted it yet, but our um, coordinator was saying that she hates the term new normal and likes to say new strengths. And so often we see our kids comparing themselves to the person they were before. So maybe that's the learner or the athlete that they were before. And a lot of our young 
guys and, and girls can't play sports. Yeah. Um, so then that's like, well, you know, closing this door to any athleticism, any exercise, yeah. which doesn't have true. to be the case. Yeah. That's not true at all. You might yeah. just have to find a new. And that's not necessarily like you have to. Like, yeah, it might just take a little bit longer to get yeah. back to where you were. And like dependent. Yes. Yeah, so dependent upon your course, there has been seen that like certain treatment you can't you can't adapt as well, but that doesn't mean you can't find like something new that you're amazing at. Like maybe you were an awesome soccer player prior, but now you can like do trail running. You can do absolutely like you can still trekking. incorporate athleticism yeah. in some aspect into your life. Yeah, and that's just my it's a change and wish. a shift, which yeah. is hard. And you find people, I think, with change like comparing themselves to the old and then this must be wrong. Yeah. But it's just change. Yeah. And it's, it's just not, something new. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the best thing about physiology in the human body. And like, especially these kiddos, like they're so pliable. They are so resilient. Absolutely. And like the amount of adaptation that they have to go to through is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so like to think that they can't adapt and do that to their fitness and health is, is not true. Like yeah. they just have to find an, a new thing that they're good at, like yes. a new, and that doesn't necessarily mean they can't do what they used to do, but they yeah might realize like, Oh, I didn't know I was actually really good at golf. I didn't know yeah. I was really yeah. good at Trail running yeah. or swimming yeah. or, yeah. yeah. I think that's an important message. And I think, um, you know, if, if you're listening to this and feeling discouraged by what can I do or what can I do, um, I don't, you know, every institution might not be as lucky as we are to have an exercise lady, <laughs> yeah. as they call you, lady, yeah. um, around in clinics. So, but um Ask your medical team. Ask the community yeah. that you're in that's helping support you through this oncology journey. Yeah. Do you think I could run? Do you think I could, um, you know, try try this? Um, ask your doctor. Yeah. Um, ask for support. Um, and also, I mean, if you feel like you can, probably can. Go take a walk. Get outside. Yeah. Um, Just take 20 minutes a day for you. I yes. think that's my big wish, too, for like my my big dream or my big wish for a lot of these patients or what I'm why I'm so passionate about it is like when they come in to see us or see me they weren't a patient anymore they're them again and yeah. like that's what I try to instill is like I don't want these individuals or these patients to walk into the exercise session and think oh I'm a patient again no you're you again like yeah. you have spent the past however long being treated as a patient and Riley does an amazing job of like, you're not just a patient, you're not just a number, yeah. but you know, it's all about you and your but cancer treatment and your hey, thing like and that. And that's naturally the forefront of the conversation. Yeah. When which you're it in has to be. Yeah. yeah because it has that's to the, be. That is number one goal. Yeah. But, but that's what I love about what I get to do is I get to, to be about you. I yes. get it to be about the fact that you want to be able to, squat a brick house yeah (laughs) it to be about you that you want to be able like I want to be able to walk to my mailbox was like by far one of the best goals I've ever had and helped somebody achieve because like that's the biggest thing like I want to make this about you and getting your life back because sometimes it feels like 
like those kids, like a door has been shut on yes. parts of my life. And yeah. I want to help yeah. open that door again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think yeah. we could end on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah. thank you for your time. Of course. I really enjoyed this. And I'm for real. We have to have a part two. I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there anything before we end that you, any resources or things you want to plug or get people connected with or share? Well, before? if anybody wants or anybody listening is a survivor or is interested in the Indiana Cancer Wellness Center, they can contact me. I think I gave you my contact information. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... And um, I can put that on yeah, like, how I post, notes. but go ahead. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so my email is dmhalsey, like the singer. Um, so it's d-m-h-a-l-s-e-y at iu.edu. Um, and you can email me or... I would put my phone number on here, but I'm not going to. So yeah, you can yeah. post Just it. Just leave the email. Um, yeah. But, and then I do have, as I kind of plugged earlier, yeah. I do have a Instagram handle that I try to use as an educational um, platform about exercise. I yeah. do talk a little bit about cancer <laughs> and exercise on that. Um, and that is at Happy Healthy Halsey with a underscore. Yeah. Um, and li- lifting the fog follows that. Yeah. So you can also, if you're having trouble finding it, you can go to our page. Um, and I'll also tag your blog in, um, the post that I make about, Perfect. um, this episode. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. 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 And I'm so thankful for lavender th- fairy putty. Oh yes. Gosh, <laughs> this is like every time. I'm going to have great reviews. Yeah. 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 If you're a podcaster out there, get your <laughs> get your guests some putty. Thank um, you. Thank you. This of was course. great. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifting the Fog. As always, please email us at liftingthefog1. That's the number one at gmail.com. We want to hear from you with your questions, concerns, thoughts, and ideas for future conversations and topics to dive into. And subscribe, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but subscribe and rate us. We would also love for you to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LiftingTheFog1, and please hashtag us at hashtag LiftingTheFog. And as always, Lifting the Fog is an independent podcast. All information, thoughts, and opinions shared are for informational purposes only. No material on this podcast is intended to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your qualified health provider with any questions that you may have. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Megan. Hi, Tracy. I'm so excited for today. Me too.